Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Nick and Bush coming at you with another Black Monday episode. Continuing, I believe this is the sixth installment of our divisional preview series. We got our sleepers, our values, our busts, our potential league winners, and our bounce backs from the NFC North division. So, Nick, how are you doing today? Yeah, doing good, man. Uh, a couple of these players this week are actually players I'm really excited about. They're kind of my guys. So, uh, excited to talk about them and uh, excited to just get into some football. Yeah, for sure. Um, so if at any point during this video, I always forget to say this at the beginning, make sure you guys like the video. If you received any value from it, subscribe to the channel. If you're new, hit the bell icon fantasy draft seasons coming in. I just had my big money draft. That's why I'm wearing a football Jersey right now. And, um, make sure you comment on the video as well. If you need any advice, if you're picking at the third spot or the fifth spot or whatever, and you don't know, you're maybe you're new to fantasy. You don't know where to go with the pick. We can definitely help you out with that. So we're going to hit the intro and then we'll see you guys on the other side. So first sleeper of the NFC North, uh, this is a guy I've, I've been getting a lot of shares of, especially in best ball, because for whatever reason, people kind of just forgot about him. And that's Anthony Miller. He, he's someone who really showed growth down the stretch. If you didn't pay attention to what Anthony Miller did, and it's understandable because the Bears were kind of like just a joke of a team down the last half of the season. The coaching staff really showed faith in him late in the season. And for the last seven games, he posted like nine or more targets. He had nine targets, 11 targets, 13 targets, and 15 targets. And the cool thing about this is that these were all in good matchups, which is, which is really promising for a player of Anthony Miller's like kind of caliber, because as of right now, he's not an every week starter. He could become that, but with guys like Anthony Miller, like those like um, wide receiver three, four kind of guys, you want to know when you can play them. And if they perform in good matchups, that's exactly what you want from them. Cause then you can start them in your DFS lineup or you can throw them into your flex spot. The big thing with, with Anthony Miller is that he became a full-time player, though, because he saw 85% of the snaps in five of those seven games over the back half of the season. Yeah, Anthony Miller, even in his rookie year, he had kind of flashes, even with injuries. He had like eight touchdowns, which is kind of crazy for just a guy of his stature. Uh, I feel like Anthony Miller is to me uh, like what Justin Jefferson – or Anthony Miller is to you what Jeff Justin Jefferson is to me because yeah. you're obsessed with Adam Thielen and I'm obsessed with Allen Robinson. So I just kind of forget about Anthony Miller because all I can think about is Allen Robinson and vice versa. Uh, it's good, though, because when you talked about Anthony Miller a few weeks ago, you kind of got me onto him because, he's like I said, I just he's not a guy I think about because I just get stuck on Allen Robinson. Yeah, and uh, in this offense, too, Miller actually should see an increased opportunity with um, Taylor Gabriel vacated 48 targets, and the year before, he actually vacated a lot more than that. I think Miller's going to absorb the majority of those, and I think the big thing is why I like Miller this year specifically is there's a chance to me that I think no one's talking about the fact that Allen Robinson saw a lot of targets, and I know he's a great receiver and everything, but there's a chance he doesn't see 155 targets this year. Like, that's a lot of volume. Like, Allen Robinson was the only option in the offense. Like there's a, there's a potential chance that that's why he saw so much volume. And there's also the uh, possibility of a quarterback change. And I know everyone assumes Nick Foles is an upgrade, but what happens if he just doesn't like Allen Robinson as much as Mitch Trubisky does? That's also a possibility. So, and the reason I believe it's a possibility is because Nick Foles loves slot receivers. Look at Nelson Aguilar splits. I'll put these up on the screen with and without Nick Foles in his career he averages like nearly a target per game more and just significantly more um, uh, like receptions and PPR points. So 
I mean, Nelson Aguilar isn't very good also. Like Anthony Miller is a much better receiver, at least has much more potential than Nelson Aguilar ever did. And Aguilar was the slot guy in Philly. His numbers were certainly worse without Nick Foles. And Miller will be the primary slot in Chicago. And it's the same system as Philadelphia runs. At least that's what we kind of assume because Nagy and Peterson both came from the Andy Reid coaching tree. And yeah, like I said, he's just objectively more talented than Aguilar. So I, I definitely like his outlook for uh, 2020. And I think he can definitely put up some numbers as the number two option in this passing game. Sweet. Yeah, I've got some, uh, I guess, some info to draw. I mean, Allen Robinson did play 40% of his snaps out of the slot last year. That's why his targets have gone so up. His uh, catch rate's gone way up too. So just kind of, uh, they do use him in the slot oh, a yeah. lot, but yeah, I'll, kind of, I'll kind of get into that uh, a little later. Uh, yeah, so uh, my guy is uh, Alan Lazard, and uh, he's not exciting. He was a guy that I wouldn't have expected to be on this list pre-draft. I was really assuming, I feel like with everyone, that the Packers were going to go all in on receivers, maybe first round, second round, like somewhere in this huge, deep receiver class that they would draft a wide receiver. Well, they drafted zero wide receivers. So now uh, we're left with their wide receiver two as the wide receiver 64 in ADP right now. And they have 115 vacated targets between Geronimo Allison and Jimmy Graham. Uh, to Alan Lazard. Last year, he was their most efficient wide receiver by far. Uh, he had a 68% catch rate, which was only behind Aaron Jones. And Aaron Jones is a running back. He had a 72% catch rate. So really close as well as Lazard was getting targeted down the field. He had a 9.2 yards per like yards per attempt. Uh, and he had 114.7 rating the quarterback did when targeting him. So pretty much like, even though when I think look at Lazard's profile and his college resume and his athletic testing, like all these things, it seems like I wouldn't like him, but all he did last year when he got the opportunity was produce the coaches clearly like him. Aaron Rodgers will only throw to you and only allow you on the field because that's just the kind of douchebag that Aaron Rodgers is, is if he likes you. And uh, Alan Lazard clearly has earned his respect. Yeah, and there was a long time that everyone was chasing Aaron Rodgers' number two receiver. And for a while, that was Randall Cobb. And then once he left, everyone was like, hold, who is it now? Like, is it MBS? Is it Equinamius St. Brown? Like, I'm more of the belief that this is, he's properly valued, Lazard. I think he is definitely a sleeper target because I think one of three things is going to happen. I'll talk about one of them later, but Aaron Jones could very well be the number two option in the passing game again this year, which is, I think is the most likely outcome. Alan Lazard could become the number two passing option in this, uh, in this offense. And the odd chance is that Jay Sternberger or any of the other receivers become the number two offense in the passing game. But I do think Lazard is definitely the receiver to target at the end of drafts and yeah, I think he is definitely a sleeper candidate to finish as like a, a top like 30 receiver. Yeah, I mean, just a wide receiver 64. I mean, he has way more upside. I even feel like floor than that cost, uh, especially just kind of with what we've seen. I mean, he only played in 11 games last year. He produced in the games he played. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I just think, kind of think going into this year, the coaches kind of feel like push the chips on him when they didn't get anyone, as well as Devin Funches opting out. So it's kind of like, I agree with the Aaron Jones take. Uh, Devontae, as I've kind of said, he's my wide receiver one, just because I believe how many targets he's going to get. Oh yeah. But they've, they've got to have another guy. Uh, and I think Lazard can break out more. Yeah, if, if, uh, if anything else, he's definitely going to be a guy you can plug into good matchups. And one thing on Miller, because you did, you did correct me that Robinson did play a lot in the slot, but 65% of the snaps Miller played last year, like on average, 
uh, like 58% of those were in the slot. So he was almost exclusively a slot receiver was, was basically my point. Anyway, mm-hmm. onto the bus, and we're, we kind of just talked about this guy, but it's the quarterback throwing Lazard the ball, and that's Aaron Rodgers. And you've heard me hard – and this is nothing against Aaron Rodgers' outlook. And to be honest, it's just really hard finding busts at the quarterback position because quarterbacks go so late. They're so undervalued that it just really doesn't even matter where you draft them. But this is a guy that will go early. Why? You've heard me harp on it for weeks now. Name value doesn't win championships, nor will you ever get a discount on name value. I know some people think they're getting a discount on Aaron Rodgers, but if you, and again, if you play in any kind of, kind of home league where people after like the sixth, seventh, eighth round start to forget who players are and like they don't really know as many people, they're going to pick guys like Aaron Rodgers because they know who Aaron Rodgers is. Aaron Rodgers was Mahomes before Mahomes was a thing. He's old and beaten down now. He's, is he still a top 12 quarterback talent in the league? Yeah, probably. I don't want to draft him in fantasy, though. When you're outside the top three to six quarterbacks, you're really only as good as the weapons around you in, when you're in streamer territory, which Aaron Rodgers is in now. And I'd argue guys like Minshew, Goff, Mayfield, Jones, Bridgewater, Burrow, Carr, all of these guys have better weapons than Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion. Like Aaron Rodgers just has Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones as established pass catchers in his offense. Some of those guys have two, three, maybe even four guys like that. So, and also those guys are going to become much cheaper because they don't have huge names. I, I would just say, don't pay up for Rogers and Cam Newton this year. Those are the two guys that I'm just avoiding because they're huge names and they're really the only two busts I can think of at the quarterback position. Yeah. I feel like Rogers is just perpetually overrated. Um, if you guys don't follow a guy named Ben Baldwin on Twitter, you should go follow him. He's a Seattle beat writer, as well as kind of the original founder of Running Backs Don't Matter. And he consistently puts up analytics all the time, showing like it's kind of become his whole shtick, uh, showing how Aaron Rodgers just isn't very good anymore and how he hasn't been that good for like five years. Like consistently, he's been in the bottom half of the league for the last several years. Uh, We haven't seen peak Aaron Rodgers. And people remember, I remember when Aaron Rodgers was so dominant that no one could stop him. You know, he's making these no-look throws like Mahomes makes. And uh, he's just not that guy anymore. Um, You know, I was talking about Lazard, but I I mean, when it comes to Rodgers, they don't draft Jordan Love in the first round if they don't see his decline in general. And yeah, people, like you said, are always just going to see the name be like, Oh, it's Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to draft him way before I feel comfortable. So I'm on board. Yeah. And Aaron Rodgers, like we're not taking Alan Lazard because we're chasing Aaron Rodgers as number two receiver. We're taking no. Alan Lazard because he's the number two receiver. And like, if he was the number two receiver on Jacksonville, we might be taking like any passing games, number two receiver is going to have valuable weeks, especially when, in my opinion, it's very clear that Alan Lazard is the number two receiver. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, so you want to get into your uh, bus then? Yeah. Yeah. So I just did kind of a duo. I did uh, the Bears running back group as a whole. Uh, yeah, just kind just of drafted one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like the place that you got David Montgomery is more okay with me. Um, for me, when I typically see people talking about him, though, like all I kind of feel is they're talking about Frank Gore. Um, and Frank Gore he has been safe and gotten touches for a long time, but he's been completely unusable. You know, the money touches, like he will get goal line carries, but so did Frank Gore. The money touches as far as between the 20s is going to go to Tariq Cohen because he's going to get the targets primarily, which is actually unfortunate because I actually think David Montgomery's best skill set is his ability to catch the ball. Coming out of college, his he, other than being completely unathletic and unexplosive, which he showed last year was the case. He could not create an explosive play. 
but was his ability to be a bell cow. He caught the ball a lot in college, and they just didn't use him. Going back to last year, the Bears were 25th in rushing success rate and 31st in yards created. So their running backs just were not creating anything. They weren't having any success. And uh, they were 29th in expected points added on the ground. And their yards per carry was also 29th in the league, even though yards per carry is kind of whack. But, I mean, it just kind of shows, like, bottom 25, bottom six, seven, whatever, in every category is not good. And then when you kind of take into account that it's for sure two backs, like, it's for sure. It's going to be Tariq Cohen. It's going to be David Montgomery. And when one of them has a good week, you're not going to really know it's coming. So I always get scared that I'm either going to miss out. So then I don't want to sit them on my bench or I get scared that they're not going to produce again. So then they're on my bench and then that's when they go off. Uh, that's kind of just why, I mean, I just, I stay away from backfields kind of like this where I just don't love either one of the players. Uh, the only times this year I'm drafting someone that I don't think is a very good player is David Johnson and Leonard Fournette. And I can't just add anyone else to that list. Yeah. For sure. And for what it's worth on the team that I do have David Montgomery, he's my second flex spot. So he's not like my RB two or anything. I have Aaron Jones and Clyde Edwards Hilaire ahead of him. And even behind him, I have guys like JK Dobbins, like Zach Moss, like Alexander Madison, who can break big for me. And Montgomery is really just a placeholder for me so that if I need some, like someone who I can flex, which he will be a flex option, he should get 18 carries a game at minimum and a couple targets. So I, I don't hate David Montgomery, but in the fourth, fifth round where you normally have to take him, I'm definitely out on him there. Where I got him yep. was like the late sixth. Like, so like I'm, I'm okay with him at that point because he is probably guaranteed like 220 carries. Yeah, that's, that's how I feel about it. I mean, once it starts getting towards the back half of the sixth round, I can, you know, just start saying, you know what, maybe he makes a leap even in the second year yeah. and the volume and the potential that alone makes it worth it. But just in the fourth and fifth round, uh, if it's David Montgomery, if that's the best running back on the board, I mean, I'm going to go wide receiver and I'm going to, I'm going to be happy about it. Yep, for sure. So on to the next guy who is unlike David Montgomery, who's basically fantasy oatmeal I've referred to David Montgomery is because he's, he's probably good for you, but you don't like eating him. <laughs> and Aaron Maybe. Jones is the guy I'm talking about because Aaron Jones is the opposite of that. Aaron Jones is super fucking good at football. If you don't believe me, you can look at pretty much every efficiency metric that there is. Aaron Jones crushes them all. And yes, I know what everyone's thinking. The laziest argument in fantasy football analysis is that Aaron Jones is going to experience touchdown regression. But that doesn't mean he should be a faded into oblivion like he doesn't exist. Fading good players because they were too good is like actually the most grinding, like, gear, like grinds the hell out of my gears. I hate when people go, oh, he was too good last year. He's not going to be that good again. Well, guess what? He's actually really good. So he's going to be good again. Jones, to me, was a big winner of the offseason. And some, that might surprise some people. But the reason I say he's a big winner is because A.J. Dillon is here to replace Jamal Williams and take away the dirty carries from Aaron Jones. He's the thunder to Jones's lightning. He might even become more of a value with the, with the A.J. Dillon pick that came out where he's got his, like, thunder thighs or whatever. And everyone's like, oh my God, look at this guy, he's Saquon Barkley. Like, no, duh, he's a fucking pro athlete. Of course his thighs are huge. My thing with Aaron Jones is why do we love Alvin Kamara? It's because he's super efficient and he gets receiving work. What's, what's the difference between him and Aaron Jones, really? Besides the fact that I would say the Saints are just a better offense, even though the Packers are a good offense also. The reason we love Aaron Jones is because he's uh, like a great receiving back. The reason I say he's a big winner of the offseason is because the, uh, the front office added absolutely no competition for targets. 
The pass catching core is Devontae Adams and a bunch of question marks. It's just Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones, in my opinion. And Jones, honestly, another thing that's not really being talked about is he could run in the slot a lot more. If A.J. Dillon's going to be in the backfield, they could split Jones out wider into the slot and use him as a receiving weapon. That's how I would use him if I was the OC, but obviously I can't just project that that's how uh, LaFleur is going to use him, but it's a possibility. And he's not necessarily a target of mine, Aaron Jones, but I do think he is a lot safer than he is being given credit for. A lot of people just assume that A.J. Dillon's going to like work his way into the backfield and like take over Aaron Jones' job. Like That's not happening. Aaron Jones is way better than A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon might take away some dirty carries from Aaron Jones, but none of those carries are actually going to equate to valuable fantasy points anyway. Yeah, I agree. Um, honestly, the only thing that has scared me at all about Aaron Jones has been the last several years that coaches just continue to seem to like not be able to know how good the guy is. Like he was drafted in the fifth round and all the dude has done is prove himself. Like he is so efficient. He was athletic. He was incredible in college, catches passes. He was way better than Jamal Williams, who at the beginning, they were giving him way more touches, even when Aaron Jones was playing way, way, way better. Finally, last year, he was just like, like, fuck this, I'm taking over, and he crushed. That's my concern is just that they, for some reason, pull the reins back, but I'm still taking Aaron Jones every time he's on the board when he's there for me, uh, just because I think he's such a good player, uh, and I want good players on my team. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a fear of mine. But at the end of the day, I, I'm not scared off of Aaron Jones at all. I really love him as a player. Yeah, the, like the back end of the second round, if you have like McCaffrey or Barkley or like Zeke or Kamara at the top of the draft, that's where I want to pick Jones is in that, on, that, on the way back as my second running back, which is what I did in that league that I'm in. But um, my, my thing with Aaron Jones too, it, it's also worth noting that he, they're working on an extension for him, apparently. They're in contract talks to, to actually extend him and keep him around, which – I mean, I don't know about you, but in Dynasty specifically, I've always assumed that Aaron Jones is going to be a free agent after this year. Like, I didn't think that there was any way the Packers were bringing him back. But apparently contract talks are progressing and they're going pretty well. So if Aaron Jones is secured in Green Bay, that definitely makes me think they're just trying to keep this dude fresh, keep, keep him with his maybe 10 carries a game and gets seven to eight targets a game, which I'm glad with. That's the type of shit that Austin Eckler gets. That's the type of shit that probably Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to get. That's the type of shit that Alvin Kamara gets. Some backs don't need 20 carries a game, and Aaron Jones is one of those guys. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that's how it's going to kind of go rolling into this year. Uh, so my value is someone I have talked about a lot, and you know it would be ridiculous if I didn't mention him here, and that's Justin Jefferson. Uh, Justin Jefferson, I think I'll just start with really my only concern for him so far uh, is that I think they're going to play him a lot out of the Z position like the flanker when I really wish that he would only play in the slot I'm kind of concerned that they're going to use Irv Smith in the slot and then they're going to have Thielen as X and Justin Jefferson as Z and not use him in the slot all the time which is just kind of a concern uh, hopefully they don't do that but moving into all the positives so Rich Rebar of Sharp Football believes that almost for sure the Vikings are going to pass more than they did last year uh, every year going back or every team going back through history, 11 out of 12 that passed or ran the, as much as the Vikings did last year has increased by a huge amount the next year. So that's number one. Number two, Minnesota was first in the league last year when targeting wide receivers, the 10.1 yards per attempt. Like it was like a full yard over the team that was next to them. So they crushed in that, uh, in that stat, I guess. I don't know, missing words here. 
Ola B.C. Johnson is uh, the only guy that Justin Jefferson has to beat out. So Justin Jefferson did start out on the COVID exempt list, which concerned me at first, but he's back. They're saying he's running with the twos, but all he's doing is showing out. And I, it makes perfect sense that he'd be running with the twos when he was just on the COVID exempt list. Ola B.C. Johnson has doesn't have shit on Justin Jefferson. And uh, I think Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins are a match made in heaven. I like how Kirk throws in rhythm and Justin Jefferson's a guy who's going to create separation, be where he's supposed to and run good crisp routes. And I think it's uh, I think it's going to be beautiful. Yeah. If, uh, if you haven't already go to the description and check out the draft guide, it's $3 right now. Best value you can see. I wrote up Justin Jefferson for the draft guide and in the film clips, I, I basically compared Justin Jefferson, a little throwback comparison from when I was a, a young Bucks fan growing up. Keenan McCardle is who I actually compared him to. If you remember, he was on the Jags for a while and then he, he, finished his career out with the Bucks and a couple other teams. But a more modern comparison I heard for, for Justin Jefferson, I agree with it as well, is another guy named Keenan, and that's Keenan Allen. I think Justin Jefferson has that kind of ability. He could become that kind of a route runner because I've seen nuance to his game at the collegiate level, and I, I really love the opportunity that Minnesota has because I 100% agree with you. There's no way that they throw the ball only like 460 times or whatever that they threw it last year. That just doesn't happen. It like maybe only happens to the Ravens this year where they throw like less that like that much less than 500. And that's also yeah, music I, to my ears on Adam Thielen <laughs> throwing a lot. Totally. Yeah. Like I said, I love Adam Thielen. Um, I just also love Justin Jefferson. Uh, I think Kyle Rudolph is pretty washed, you know, so Irv Smith is the only one that really worries me as far as potential like next step. But we really haven't seen it from Irv Smith much. So I think Justin Jefferson has the potential to be huge, like huge this year, as far as like kind of being a target hog and efficient target hog at that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, another guy who sh I expect to be very efficient <laughs> this coming year is, uh, so we're talking league winners now. And to me, the best, some of the best league winners that we can remember over the past couple of years have been rookie running backs. And this rookie running back, I think has potential to be one of the best. And that's DeAndre Swift. He is a guy who had top 35, uh, he was a top 35 pick, so borderline first round draft capital. And most importantly, in my opinion, I, I think Carryon Johnson is in the doghouse. I think he, he's disappointed the coaching staff by getting injured or whatever. Like they, they drafted DeAndre Swift as kind of a, probably a message or like just, okay, we, need, we can't trust Carryon. We're sick of having Bo Scarborough and fucking whoever else by the end of the season. We need a, a reliable running back. And Patricia, when he was drafted, praised Swift's ability to be involved as a receiver. And not that Carryon Johnson's bad at this aspect, but Swift uh, boasts even better ability in this area, in my opinion. And it should help him get on the field early, which I think it's not a competition once these two are on the field. I think it's DeAndre Swift and it's not even close uh, in terms of like just pure talent. I think this backfield probably starts off as a 50-50 split. And after a few short weeks, I could see it becoming more of Swift's job and whether KJ gets injured or not, I do think um, Swift is eventually going to take over this backfield and, and be a 60-65% uh, opportunity share running back. And if Carryon Johnson does get injured, this is probably how Swift becomes like a league-league winner, like where he could be like a top eight running back or whatever. Swift's ability as a runner, as a receiver on the goal line, what we, like from what we saw from this offense before Matt Stafford got hurt, could land him as a top eight running back in fantasy because Matt Stafford had this offense humming. This could be a top 12 offense and probably the biggest correlation between a high end fantasy running backs is the offense that they're in. So if Swift is in a great offense, which I believe, and I, I believe you do as well about the Lions, it's going to be a high flying aerial attack and Swift should see some light boxes as a result of that. 
Yeah, DeAndre Swift has been the Debbie 101 for like three years, like since he was a sophomore, maybe even freshman. I think after his freshman year, he became the 101 over Jonathan Taylor, over Cam Akers, over all of these guys. Uh, and that's for a reason. He was a dog at Georgia, like so good, so electric, so good in the passing game, an incredible runner. Uh, and I mean, going back to last year, I think the, one of my coldest takes was my take on Karrion Johnson. I had a lot of Karrion Johnson uh, in dynasty leagues and a lot. And I, I'm stuck like holding the bag on him now because I just I thought he was going to take a jump. And uh, yeah, he got injured. And I feel like Matt Patricia hates him. I really yeah. think he's a good running back. I really do. I like Karrion Johnson a lot, but I just uh, I, I think they hate him. And no, uh, DeAndre I Swift. I, I think KJ would probably be like. Like, he, he's a starter caliber running back. I just think, one, I think Swift is super talented, so I think he's just better. And, yeah. two, I, I do think they're going to, like, if it's a tie, they're going to, like, give the edge to Swift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my opinion exactly. I think Karrion Johnson is a way above league average when it comes to being a running back. But DeAndre Swift is, like, one of those elite, elite, like, top five, top eight running back talents uh as far as potential goes and yeah i love the lions offense i did not think i was going to love them as much as I, I i like love the lions offense this year so very excited about deandre swift yeah and it's worth noting that daryl bevel and not i'm when i say the word bell cow i don't mean christian mccaffrey because that is a freak of nature that's not a bell cow that is like yeah you're not on the field like you're not on the field. <laughs> when i say bell cow i mean like a 65 70 percent opportunity share running back Daryl Bevel is not averse to using that. He had Marshawn Lynch and Adrian Peterson in their heyday. So if, if DeAndre Swift is able to show that he is that good, obviously not as good as those guys, because they're Hall of Famers, but um, if he's able to show that he is going to be a very good running back, I don't think it's going to be a question that Daryl Bevel is okay with using him. Yeah, um, I agree. I think he could be a league winner. My league winner is a guy I kind of mentioned earlier, which is Allen Robinson. I feel like Allen Robinson is my guy every year because every year I think he just gets spit on with like the disrespect, you know, in the ADP department. It's insane to me how people just forget how good he is. He has been dominant his whole career. Like he had that, he had an ACL tear and coming back from that, he was like, you know, not a cr- incredible, but still like a top 24 wide receiver, like, like easily. Uh, and this year he's going still later than he should. Last year, he was only out targeted by Michael Thomas and Julio Jones. Uh, and he was only trailed in usage rate to DeAndre Thomas and Michael, or DeAndre Hopkins and Michael Thomas. Uh, Allen Robinson is an incredible wide receiver. He played 40% of his snaps the last two years in the slot. And his contested catch rate has always been way up. So if you're going to play him in the slot and flank him out to the X, he still has the upside to be a red zone wide receiver and have the contested catch ability, as well as last year he had the highest catch rate he's ever had. Nick Foles is not a very good quarterback, but Mitchell Trubisky is Blake Bortles all over again. And uh, that's all Allen Robinson's ever had. So I feel like if Nick Foles can at least just throw the ball near his hands, he'll catch it, which Mitchell Trubisky can't really do. Mitchell also runs quite a bit. I don't think Nick Foles, even though he is a mobile quarterback, I think he's going to throw the ball a little bit more. Uh, And the seventh easiest passing, passing schedule is what Sharp Football has given the Chicago Bears. Uh, fantasy pros even has him as the first easiest, but I'm going to trust sharp football. Uh, so yeah, I think Allen Robinson is just an incredible wide receiver. I think he's incredible value and, uh, I think he's a league winner. Yeah. I, 
Allen Robinson, I, I wouldn't call him a league winner. That's just the way I feel about him. I think he's more just a value. I think he's, he's the type of guy that you, you'd pick as your wide receiver one after going RBRB in the first two rounds, and you, you don't think twice about it because, as you mentioned, the, the shit that flies around in Allen Robinson's world, it doesn't even matter to him. He just fucking bats it out of the air and catches the ball in the process. He hasn't, it doesn't affect him at all. My only worry is the quarterback change, not because I don't think Nick Foles is better than Mitch Trubisky because I do. It's just quarterback changes in general make me nervous. I think when you have – because he does obviously have some chemistry with Mitch Trubisky because he got that much targets from him. You, commanding targets is an actual skill as a receiver. You don't just command targets because you're the highest paid receiver on the team. You actually have to get open to command targets. So um, that that does worry me. But I, I do think Nick Foles is good enough that he can he can probably sustain Allen Robinson quite easily. It'll probably affect other uh, players on the offense if it affects anyone at all. So bounce back candidates. Adam Thielen, to me, is the definition of a bounce-back candidate. He's the best bounce-back candidate, in my opinion, just because we've seen what his ceiling is. He was the wide receiver one by a mile in 2018, the first, like, nine weeks of the season when he had, like, nine straight 100-yard games or whatever it was. Stephon Diggs leaving for Buffalo vacates 110 targets, 1,300 yards, and seven touchdowns. And that's, that's not just Diggs. There was a couple other guys, too. But um rookie Justin Jefferson you mentioned him already I don't think he's soaking up all that volume he'll probably soak up some of it or most of it but that along with the fact that the Vikings probably will throw the ball more this year makes me think that Thielen might lead the NFL in target share percentage like he might legitimately have a 30 percent target share because anytime you throw the ball in Minnesota Kirk Cousins loves Adam Thielen like he fucking loves him and the offense kind of runs through him and Dalvin Cook and Thielen, in the games that Diggs hasn't played, and it's not like a big sample size, so take this with a grain of salt, but I'll put it on the screen right now. The big thing is, is targets. He had uh, two and a half targets more per game when Diggs was out of the lineup. I don't care about like the PPR points and stuff because that's all kind of um, chance with, uh, with a three-game sample size, but the targets is the big deal for me. Um, it's a run-heavy team, as I mentioned, but this is by far and away the number one target on the offense and he should see top five wide receiver volume in the NFL this year. He should be bordering that 150 target range. And what we saw last time Thielen got that kind of elite volume, he averaged nearly 12 targets per game the first half of 2018, and he turned that to over 25 and a half PPR points per game, and he was the wide receiver one by a wide margin, as I mentioned. He also had like 114 receiving yards average per game. Like he was dominant to start 2018. So I don't think he can get back to that level. He could potentially, but I, I more so project him to be like a consistent top five receiver. And in any kind of PPR league, he should give you like an, a very, very elite floor. Yeah, I absolutely love Adam Thielen. Um, kind of like I discussed earlier, I think he's going to crush. I think you kind of got it nailed it. I think him and Justin Jefferson can thrive together. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think Justin Jefferson is probably going to be more so of an efficiency play as a rookie. He'll probably get like 90 targets or whatever. And like, maybe get like 700 yards and a couple, like, like five or six touchdowns. And then we're really excited about him going into next year. I don't think he's going to be like a, like a, a fucking thousand yard receiver as rookie year, which most rookie receivers are not, but I do think he has the potential to be a very efficient player across from Thielen or yeah, I guess across from Thielen. Cause they're probably not going to play Thielen much in the slot as they didn't last year, which is a common misconception, but uh, who is your um, bounce back candidate? I really like this guy too. So. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, the real probably bounce-back candidate in this division is Adam Thielen. 
my guy was actually who I wanted to put at league winner. I just didn't know who else to put at bounce back because Adam Thielen was who I would have picked. So uh, here he is, uh, Marvin Jones. Um, I absolutely love Marvin Jones. He's on every dynasty roster that I have. Like literally, I'm in eight dynasty leagues. He's on every one of my teams because I, I just love him. I feel like I draft him every single year. And I don't want to get rid of him because he produces for me. I feel confident starting Marvin Jones all the time. If you want to look at the stats, so through eight games, like Matt Stabbard played the first eight games last year, for those who don't know, and then he got injured. So through those eight games, the Lions were third in yards per attempt to wide receivers, sixth in success rate. And, they, and through the final eight games, they were 21st and 27th. So it went like way downhill. With Stafford, Galladay was wide receiver 11. So Galladay was crushing, and that's kind of where he's getting drafted. A lot of people don't realize Marvin Jones was wide receiver 14 at the same time as Galladay was wide receiver 11. Marvin Jones is being drafted like four or five rounds later than Kenny Galladay. And uh, David Blau just couldn't support two wide receivers in the same way that Matt Stafford can. Stafford will do that. Marvin Jones has been a top 30 wide receiver the past three years, and he's had three top 12 weeks last year in the first eight games. So he started out on fire. Uh, he's being drafted as like a fringe wide receiver three, wide receiver four. No one around that can compete with Marvin Jones' potential like upside, his potential consistency, his, his like proven capability. He has a great quarterback. They have DeAndre Swift now. Uh, on top of all of that, last year was uh, Marvin Jones' career high in receptions per game. It was like right about five per game. So that just kind of shows like even with the injury, because Marvin got injured as well. Like when Stafford got injured, Marvin also got injured. Like he missed several games and he was playing hurt. So for him still to put up the most receptions of his career per game just shows he still got it. And uh, I'm really excited for what they do this year. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think it's weird because there's like a tier of receivers that I feel like is kind of not like disrespected, but they're like their values. And I think Marvin Jones belongs in the tier with these guys. I don't know why he doesn't go with the Tyler Boyds and the Jarvis Landry's because I feel like yeah. that's where he belongs. I think that's exactly where he belongs in ADP because yes, you could probably take a couple guys ahead that have more upside or quote unquote upside than, than some of these, like the three guys that I just mentioned, but Marvin Jones, Jarvis Landry and Tyler Boyd are almost certainly going to be wide receiver twos, if not great flex options every week. Yeah, 100%. And Marvin really has a lot of upside just with his spike weeks. Like I said, three out of the he first like eight weeks last year. Game like last year. Yeah, he was huge. Uh, I had him in DFS. Uh, I started him in DFS pretty much every week. I have one team or a couple teams with Marvin Jones, and uh, it pays off for me a lot. So um, I just, I love Marvin. He's a G. I always think back to Thanksgiving, like a few years ago, when he had this monster game. I had him all over the place in DFS, and he won me a lot of money. And uh, he caught like four touchdown passes. I think it was against the Cowboys. And uh, yeah, dude, it was it was fucking awesome. So I just love Marvin Jones. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did the exact same thing last year to the Vikings. I'm pretty sure Xavier Rhodes got <laughs> fucking canceled after that game. Hell yeah, <laughs> yeah, that game ruined Xavier Rhodes' career. I'm pretty sure. So. Dude, dude, the roads have been open all this. Like, I remember roads were closed for a long time. Like, roads are open big time in Xavier, uh, Xavier's world. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So um, that's it for the NFC North. This was kind of a fun division. This was a lot of value in this division, I noticed. Yeah. Like, it's kind of a slept-on division. But uh, next week or next Monday will be our last one because me and Danny are going to be doing the NFC East on Thursday. Next Monday will be the NFC West, which is also a fun division. So 
Uh, make sure you guys stay tuned for that. It's draft season. This is it's full fantasy stream ahead. We got, I mean, it's August 16th as we're recording this, August 17th when you're listening to this. We got about four, I think Scott Hansen tweeted out four Sundays until football today. And um, I responded Hell to yeah. it and I was like, uh, Santa is real because Scott Hansen is the greatest human being of all time. And anytime he says seven hours of commercial free football starts now, I just get really oh. overexcited. Oh my God. <laughs> so I'm uh, so excited, dude. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, real quick, real quick. His team, his fantasy football team, is called Iron Bladders. It's so perfect. That is Iron awesome. Bladders because of seven seven hours of commercial free football. And dude doesn't pee. He's got to have like a freaking Camelback or something. But no, Iron Bladders. That's so great. Does he actually not piss the whole time? I mean, unless he's going in a cup or something. I mean, he's literally on screen the whole time. That is true, actually. I never even thought of that. Like, you yeah, think, dude. How long has he been doing this? Like eight years, nine years, ten years? Like <laughs> long time. For a while, you'd think one day he would have had some bad breakfast and he had to take a shit midway through or something, but it's never happened. Like, never happened, dude. The guy's guy a savage. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a savage. Yeah, guy's complete so. savage. Anyway, long ass yeah. outro again. So make sure you guys are checking out the draft guide, as I mentioned. Um, join the Discord with fantasy season kicking off. A lot of advice to be had there. Make sure you guys are following both of us along on Twitter. I noticed Nick hasn't gotten a lot of love on Twitter in terms of he's actually posting a lot more content now and uh, getting his opinions out there. So you make sure you're following him on Twitter, as well as myself and the Fantasy Stock Exchange and all the guys are part of that. So without further ado, guys, take care and enjoy your Monday.